What is up? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It's Friday, and you know what that means. I'm bringing the conversation to you of someone in the content marketing game that matters. And I got my man, Jimmy Daly, co-founder and CEO at Superpath. He has built the number one content marketing community in the game. I'm saying it right here. I'm a member. I think it's awesome. It is such an amazing place to go learn from other content marketers um, and be in a space with other people like me and like you. I know you're going to enjoy this conversation with Jimmy. If you like what you've been hearing on the 3C Podcast, hit that subscribe button. Leave me a review. Tell me how I'm doing. I want the feedback. If you're not signed up for our newsletter, the newsletter drops today on launch day of the 3C Podcast every Friday, every freaking Friday. You can sign up. The link is in the show notes, or you can visit thejuicehq.com. Just drop your email in, and we'll shoot that over to you every Friday. I'm fired up to bring this conversation to you Jimmy is the man. Without further ado, let's kick it to it. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I'm really excited about this conversation. I am with Jimmy Daly of Superpath. Before we jump in, I'll just start with a little bit of a story. So when I joined the Juice, I got into our high alpha Slack group and I asked just the community of all the companies within the high alpha portfolio where is some place that I can go to meet content marketers, to learn from content marketers? And like three marketers in the high alpha portfolio said, are you a part of the Superpath group? Are you a part of the Superpath group? And I was just like, I have no idea what that is, but send me the link. So I, I hit the link, uh, went through the experience, uh, joined the Slack community. And it was like, i have been a part of other groups and it was like, exactly what I was looking for, uh, a community of just like-minded people, content marketers that were talking and sharing stories about what was happening in their career, career pathing, jobs, um, just a lot of networking. So it's just been a valuable resource. And a lot of people that have been on this show are connections that I have made in that group. So I'm excited to be talking with Jimmy today. So I guess first, Jimmy, thank you for uh, building a community of content marketers. And you've, you've made it easy for me to get up to speed as we're trying to get the juice off the ground. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, I'm so glad to hear all of that. And uh, it's, good to, it's good to like really meet. Totally. Maybe, maybe we can start here. I know you've got a just a, a tremendous background in, in content marketing. You've been a part of Animals, which is, you know, I think a lot of content marketers can say is one of the, their favorite content producers in the game. And, and you just decided to start Superpath. I'd love to just maybe get it from you, just like your story of your experience at Animals, what that what that was like, and then how that led to Superpath forming. Yeah, definitely. So I actually had two different experiences at Animals. I worked there two different times, which is kind of interesting. But I mean, I joined Animals when it was seven or eight people, maybe. And um, I walked into an environment which was, you know, it was a startup. It's like a lot going on. Like everybody's working super hard. And it's, it's, it's so unique because it's not like a SaaS company where like, you got to refine the one product and sell it to a bunch of customers. Like you got to refine new products every single day 
to get it out to different customers, all with different expectations, worrying about different contexts, different writers working on everything. Like it's a, it was a pretty crazy environment and we were going very hard. And uh, honestly, after about eight or nine months, I was just totally burned out. I had never worked so much in my life. And while I love the company and I love the work we were doing, like I just needed a break. So I left not thinking that I would go back. I spent a year at QuickBooks, which is sort of funny. I was like the exact opposite. The company has like thousands and thousands of employees. And to be honest, I actually was sort of bored after a little while. Like once I kind of recovered, I wanted, I was like itching to get back into action. Anyways, Walter, who at the time was the CEO and, and my boss eventually said, Hey, look, things have changed around here. Like we've slowed down a little bit. Like we figured some things out. Like, will you come back? No more client work. I want you to start our blog and help me out with sales. And that was when, at least for me, like the animals experience just took on like a whole new life. Like it was just so much fun to get to launch a blog from scratch, write about content strategy, you know, like chat with the folks on our team who are like on the ground doing this work with customers every single day and like understand all the various myriad problems they're working on and then get to write about those to get on sales calls with people and understand their problems better. It was a great experience. And um, eventually I started the Slack community kind of on a whim just because sort of, I don't know, it seemed like fun. Like I wanted to talk about my own career in content marketing and I didn't know any place to do that. So I thought I'll just start my own Slack community. And it started gaining a little bit of steam and nothing crazy, but like it was growing without me doing anything. And then Walter and I got to talking about it and started thinking like, you know, who's owning like the job space in content marketing? Like not, not really anybody, you know, what if this Slack community was the foundation of uh, a job board or a recruiting service, or like, we weren't really sure exactly what it would look like, but we knew that if we had an awesome community where people loved to hang out, that there would be ways to monetize it. That would be like wins for everybody. And yeah, after a lot of discussion and planning and then interruption from COVID, we eventually decided to, to give it a go. So here we are 10 months into this thing. I've been working on it full-time for 10 months now and it's, yeah, it's been awesome. It's been great. It's, you know, starting this startup thing all over again for sure. But uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. I love it. And I think uh, I definitely want to touch on like the career progression of the content marketer, because I think it's completely undefined and it's unclear for everyone. So I'm going to get into that. But before I do that, I want to, I picked up on something you said about your talk during the animals uh, run, you were talking with clients and trying to figure out what they needed from a content marketing perspective. My, my guess in that process is you heard a lot of different things because I'm hearing a lot of different things from content marketers within these companies where some of them, uh, their leadership team says, oh yeah, we do content marketing, but it's a, let's just have this content factory and let's just keep producing content for content's sake, because that's what we do. We need to play into Google and we need to rank. Um, But then you've got, you know, the more progressive type of companies that are really thinking strategically about not just content marketing as a function, but content marketing as like a key differentiator and ingredient within their business that doesn't just sit in marketing, but it kind of transcends the business. So I love to hear like when you were sitting in that seat, trying to put content plans together and teams together for these companies. Like what kind of feedback did you hear regularly? Like good, bad, and ugly. Oh my God. (laughs) So many things. Like I'll just give you like a quick example. Like, so I'm like writing this blog for content marketers about content marketing and 
when I started, I started going down this path of like very traditional, like I'm going to do cured research and I'm going to figure out what people are searching for. And then I'm going to write content for that. But at the same time, I'm like getting on sales calls every week. And, uh, eventually, eventually I was doing like somewhere between five and 10 sales calls every week. And I was just finding that like nothing I heard on sales calls ever matched up with the things I was looking at in my keyword research. And I was like, what is going on here? And it led me down this very kind of interesting rabbit hole of like, just deciding like, we're just going to forego SEO for the animals blog, at least for now. Um, and we're just going to only write about the things that we hear on sales calls. And then we're going to feed that content back into our sales process. That was like a real aha moment, you know, because we were hearing things that I could never predict, you know, and like, I could offer like a dozen examples of like things I heard on sales calls that I had never heard before, but that were like just incredibly important challenges for these companies, you know, like their content challenges were things that we were supposed to be able to solve, but like, you know, not all of them are patterns. Some of them are like total one-off situations. So like, I'd give you a couple of random examples, like a couple companies said like, uh, you know, we're moving our product up market and we need to adjust our content strategy. Like no keyword research would have ever led me down that path, but I heard that a few times. And so we created content around it or like a, a number of times folks would come to us because, um, their organic traffic was declining and they're like really worried about that. Interestingly, what we found was in many of those cases, they had been chasing like really short tail top of funnel keywords in this like crazy competitive space. And the decline of even a single ranking was tanking the entire website. And that came up a few times. Again, something I could not have predicted. Oh gosh, I'm trying to think of other ones. A lot of companies came to us because the content team, the in-house content team was being pulled in too many different directions and they could no longer focus on growing traffic. So the in-house team had basically become like an internal agency to help product marketing and create sales collateral and write support documentation and or do whatever other things they're being asked to do. And there's no time left uh, to actually like create content for a blog or a resource center or whatever. So it was interesting. Actually, one of the reasons I love doing sales was because you just hear these things all day long and it's, it's like almost every single call was something new that I had never heard of before. Totally. And then you said like you were writing for the animals blog and you weren't focusing it around SEO and maybe not keywords and optimizing. It sounds like you were maybe just like writing and you were, I, the way I talk about it is like kind of just like writing for humans and not machines. Um, yeah. What were like the re, what were like in your instincts and reasons to say, like, I'm just going to write this as like something without thinking of all the other things that we think about as content marketers. I'm just going to go like, what led you to that? It was the very, very tight. Sorry, we're on a podcast. So you can't see my hands, <laughs> but it was this very tight feedback loop from marketing to sales. So if I heard something on a sales call and I wrote a piece about it and it influenced one sale, then it was worth that and it would have been worth basically whatever amount of time we put into creating that one resource because at an agency, a sale is worth a lot of money, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, you know, there was sort of no point in checking Google Analytics. There was not really any point in trying to rank well. Again, this is early on, like as the agency matures, mm -hmm. that, you know, the SEO becomes more important. But so I, the only metric that I really cared about was revenue. And working on the sales side, like gave me a lot of insight into that. Like being on the front lines of sales made me think about marketing very, very differently. Yeah, no, I love that. And uh, 
I love the attribution just by one sale and attributing that to maybe just a post that you created. And so like, I think in, in your, I'd be curious just in your seat now, like spinning up super path, there are like, I'll get in the group. There are so many conversations. There's so many questions. There's so many content marketers at different stages in their career. And they all have just different problems. Like some people are starting a new company and they're trying to figure out how to spin up content. Some people are in existing companies and they're tired of like doing things the old way. What types of things are you, are you seeing just in day-to-day Slack communication or on just your conversations that are signals to you about like maybe problems within content marketing? Yeah. And let's just, let's just start there. Like what sort of problems are you seeing regularly? That's interesting. You know, one thing that is very top of mind is that at the moment, so we have a job board and there's some really awesome jobs on that job board. And then we have this community and there's some really awesome content marketers in this community. And it's interesting because the jobs are open for longer than I would expect. And I at least partially attribute that to what you said earlier, which is that the content career path is totally undefined. It's like you learn to write and then and then what? Like there's not a clear path that anyone should take. And I, I kind of feel that we have a broadly, we have an underdeveloped kind of senior class of content marketers. Like these, many of these companies want senior level content marketers. And there's not all that many of them because a lot of folks leave content marketing before they get there because they don't see that that's like a, a path that they could take. So that's one interesting one that's that I've noticed recently. I, I'm, I'm hoping that we're chipping away at that. Like now we have a, a paid membership, like we're training people ourselves. I, I think there's a lot of learning going on, just kind of peer-to-peer learning happening in the Slack group that I don't necessarily facilitate. It just sort of happens on its own because people are there and they want to learn. And there's some really smart folks who are there to teach too. But this that's probably, at least at the moment, the biggest problem that I'm chewing on and trying to figure out. Yeah, I, totally. And I think that, I don't know, I view, I view like the content marketer as it is, it is such a strategic role. And I think it is the role within B2B marketing that can be like the catalyst for change. And when I'm thinking about just change, I'm thinking specifically about the, we, we've called it like, it's this noble pursuit. It's like, there's no gaming anybody. It's like, we're trying to create content that's adding value um, to, you know, our audience. And so to me, like, I think just with where B2B marketing was maybe five years ago to where B2B marketing is now to where it's going, like, I believe that the content marketer really has an opportunity to be the catalyst for that shift and change into creating better experiences, not feeling like you've got to, you know, put forms or track every, each and every thing that, you know, your audience is doing. So I guess like with like maybe with career pathing and with like where B2B marketing is going, like how do you see like the, the content marketing function playing a role in driving that change? You know, I think that um, when, so former boss Walter, now business partner and Superpath Walter, uh, one of the things that we were chatting about as we were getting this company rolling was um, a hypothesis that content marketing was probably one of the best career fields that you could be in. Like second, maybe only to engineering. And that's, 
you know, especially a year ago, I thought like, that seems a little crazy. Um, now I don't really feel that way anymore. Like I actually feel like that it, I won't, I won't say like engineering content marketing and there's no gray area there, but I do think that, uh, an ability to write clearly, concisely to reach customers, to understand their problems. Like these are universal evergreen skills. And so what, like, you know, whether your title says content manager or content marketer or whatever, the skills that make for a good content marketer are the same skills that just make for great employees, regardless of title. So folks who go through a period of, I mean, maybe in some ways this is good, you know, folks uh, get into content marketing and they're a content manager. Maybe they become a senior content manager and then they go off and do something else. You know, there's sometimes I think of that as a bad thing because I'm like, oh, but there's all these senior roles. Maybe it's a good thing too, though, because we're now sending these like very well-trained communicators into product marketing and demand generation and, you know, paid acquisition and other places where those, basically those exact same skills are needed. So I'm not really sure what the future of content marketing exactly is going to look like, but I feel pretty confident that this, these kind of core set of skills that make for a good content marketer will continue to be really valuable, whether you end up calling yourself a content marketer or something else. Uh, Yeah, I love that. And and then I know just in your experience with animals and then also just on the super path side, like you, you see probably more content marketing related things than almost anybody and you probably see like not only the the end result and the the production and the pieces, but you're maybe engaging and having interactions with teams. I'd love to know, like from your perspective, like high functioning content marketing teams or just high functioning marketing teams where content plays a role. Like, what sorts of attributes do those teams have um, that maybe? May, may or may not be outliers to like the general like population of B2B marketing? That's interesting. That's a very interesting question. I'd say that among the best, the best ones strike a balance between creative editorial pursuits and a tight focus on business objectives. And I feel like that answer is like a little vague, but uh, it's it's pretty easy for those things to get out of whack typically content marketers tend to veer a little bit more towards the creative pursuits and not stick as close to the business objectives as they probably should. Mm -hmm. Um, And so one of the things I'm seeing, like, so we do have a number of teams who are signed up for our paid tier and I jump on calls with those teams when they sign up and try to understand like what challenges are you working on? Like, and how can I help you? And that's one that comes up a lot. And, and I will definitely, I can definitely think of a couple examples of teams that have just like a laser focus on their business. And they use that constraint to come up with all kinds of cool things that they can work on that drive good results for the business. And then I can think of others that calls I've been on with teams where they're just sort of like rattling off one amazing idea after another, but they, you know, those it's, it's not really clear like, sure, maybe that will generate traffic or rankings or whatever. It's not really clear necessarily how it's going to affect the, the, the bottom line. So to me, that's like the, that's the key thing is like clear focus on the business. That constraint kind of really opens the door to cool ideas, but it's like, um, I don't know. I recall reading an article from James Clear years ago about, uh, positive constraints, you know, and that people actually are more creative when they are dealing with positive constraints, a positive constraint, meaning like help the company make money, Uh you know, work within that constraint. And so the companies or the teams that do that, like those are the teams that really stand out to me. 
I love it. Is it is there anyone specifically from like a you like on a weekly basis? You're like, all right, this company or this person, like their content, that is something that I have. Whether it's a newsletter, a blog post, something that like I have to read every week because I'm getting so much value out of it that if I don't read it, then I'll feel like I'm missing out on something. Hmm. Yes, but then I'll caveat this answer too. So the the what the uh, Drew Riley, who runs the trends.vc newsletter. I read that religiously every week. Like that's one piece of content that I like really, really value and rely on, on a weekly basis. And I would definitely recommend checking his stuff out. He's interesting though, because like he's building a content driven business, you know, it's so, like his job is to create this newsletter, which is a group of kind of habituated readers for most companies though, this is my caveat. Most companies don't need a group of habituated readers and pursuing that is potentially uh, a diversion from the more important work that they could be doing. So I'm trying to think of like, you know, most companies who are uh, investing a lot in content marketing or B2B SaaS companies. I can't think of any that I read regularly. Right. Like you read them as you need them. And that's kind of the point, you know? And um I will say that there's companies that I've been really impressed with recently. Like one example of that is Todoist. I think that their blog is fantastic. Like the best productivity blog I've ever read. And it's not even close. It's really good. What are the traits and things that they're like, is it the copy? Is it the way information is presented? Like what are the things that are they're doing to make the experience for you as the consumer easy, easy and something that uh, you need to go back to? It's, um, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. They treat the reader like a sophisticated individual. And I like that about it. it's the, the, the writing is simple, but not simplistic. You know, it's easy to read, but it's not dumbed down. Mm-hmm. I like that about it. It feels, I, I feel a sense of sophistication when I read it, you know, like they, they might cite a scientific study or peer reviewed article, but in a way that isn't, sort of like stuffy and academic, um, then they might write a listicle, but in a way that's not kind of dumbed down just to generate SERP ranking, you know, search ranking. So like, I love that about, I mean, also the writings clearly tell lots of good anecdotes, their strong narrative, like it's good stuff. Um, another that comes to mind is Webflow, who kind of approaches this from a totally different perspective, which is essentially just all they do is write about their product. <laughs> You know, and, and it's in, in their case, it makes sense. Like it's this no code tool where you're building things. So it's really all focused on like, here's a tutorial on how to do something as opposed to like here are tips for being more productive that you could later apply and to do us very different strategies. But I like, I like the keen focus on the product. Like it's gotten me very interested in it. And then I find I, I interesting. I, then I find myself being like, what, what am I, what, how could I be more direct? How could I just talk? more directly to our readers about the exact thing that we offer as opposed to kind of beating around the bush or targeting a keyword and hoping that some tiny percentage of them get it and, you know, want to convert or whatever. Anyways, long answer, but those, those are two that I've been thinking about lately. Yeah. I, and I love it. And I, I always just, it gets me, Webflow always pops up. People love Webflow's content, but for me, it's like we, as, as marketers, in B2B SaaS, like look at content from such a specific lens that 
if if someone is cutting through all the clutter and stands out to be uh, 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 an example on a podcast, those are I'm always taking notes because I want to go check out what they're doing and maybe it's something yeah. uh, I I can learn from. Um, maybe we close it out with this. I'd love to know. I hear so much about community building and, oh, we got to do this because we're trying to build this community. But, you know, it's, it's freaking hard. Like it's building a community is like one, something that doesn't happen overnight. I think a lot of different things have to take shape and take place for a, a true community to be in order. I think everyone wants to pursue having a community so that they can attach their brand to it. And then obviously, hopefully build relationships, generate customers, that whole deal. Like you've, you've, you've done like you you're actively like doing the hard part. Like people are talking about your community. People are talking about your group when you're not in the room. Um, people are referencing it, which is always like check, check, check. Like those are doing the good things. I I'd love to like maybe just get some feedback and advice for you on like the basic fundamentals of like how Superpath has grown and continues to grow into this group that, you know, if you log on to the group and you see everyone interacting today, like what are the basic building blocks to get to get there? Yeah, I will say that I have a, I think I have an advantage over a company that wants to launch a community, like in the same way that Drew Riley is building a content first business, like he can take that business wherever the readers say they want it to go, you know, like he can take their feedback and build more things they want. And Superpath is kind of the same way. Like, you know, I had this idea initially that like, we'll try to monetize through jobs, but like at the end of the day, like we don't, there's no, uh, uh, we haven't like invested a bunch of money in building software that we now have to sell. Like I can basically listen to community and build things that they want. And then that kind of fuels the community more, you know what I mean? So like, I hope this happens at some point, but like content marketing reporting comes up all the time. It's a huge challenge. Like I could see at some point, maybe we build a piece of software that helps people with content marketing reporting, but we don't already have it. Therefore we don't have to sell it. So like if you're a company and you're saying, okay, we do email marketing and we do content marketing and we do paid next, we're going to add community. Like you have a very different challenge on your hand, on your hands, because one thing that might happen is you get a community going and people like it and they join and then they start telling you they want things that you can't provide them because you have a piece of software to sell, you know? And so I'd encourage folks to like, if you're going to do it, be ready to listen to what people have to say. And I think that, you know, if one thing I actually wish companies would do more of is like start the community and maybe, maybe view it, not just as a, a channel to send people or traffic back to the kind of the mothership, but maybe you could earn a little bit of revenue off of like, kind of small services or micro products or whatever that people are really asking for. So it's kind of a long way of saying like the number one thing is you just have to listen to what people are saying. And that's like, it's, it's, it's actually a lot harder than it sounds, particularly if your incentives are tied up in something else. No, I I love it. And I I've been on record of saying before I did research, I was getting so much value from the super path group that I, I, I had no idea what like, the super like what super path was outside of like just there's this, this place where I can go c- connect with other people which to me I, I said like whatever they're presenting like it, I'm sure they're connecting content marketers it's something that I'm going to find value of down the road and to me that's like the ultimate brand building experience so I just kudos to you and what you're building over there I think 
it's uh, setting uh, uh, setting up a, a good path for content marketers to learn from each other, grow their careers. And I think it's 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 admirable. And a lot of people out there I know that listen to this show appreciate it. Cool. Well, I appreciate you saying that. It really has been fun. Like the most enjoyable thing about this business is that well, two things, I guess. One is that like everybody's in the community is basically there for the same reason. They like hanging out. They're learning things. They're connecting with people. Like that's cool, you know. And actually, that makes growing it easy because you know they the, the vibes are good and they want to tell other people to like come join in on the fun that we're having. And then the other thing is like as we do build things that people want and we monetize, it's it's a win-win really. Like it's a win for me because that allows me to continue doing this, right? Like I kind of do need an incentive to do this full time, but two, it's like it, you know, in creating revenue, it creates a better experience or sort of allows us to create this better experience for the people who are members of it. And that is kind of this nice little flywheel effect that, that keeps everything moving. I love it. I, it wouldn't be a a marketing podcast without a plug. So where I'll let you, uh, there's places I'd recommend people go, but you're in charge. Tell people where they can go to learn more. Yeah. Yeah. Just superpath.co. There's a link to the community there. If you want to check it out, the community is free. I should say that it's free open to anyone who works in content marketing or who aspires to work in content marketing. Um, that's the biggest thing. The other thing is if uh, we have a sponsorship program where, you know, we help companies reach content marketers and we have this job board or we help companies hire content marketers. So if those things are on your radar, those are, uh, those are really the best ways to help us keep this thing going. Awesome stuff. This has been fun. Thanks so much, Jimmy. Uh, we'll have to get you back on here when uh, the group doubles, which I'm sure is uh, not too far away. I, I look <laughs> I at the so. numbers regularly and it just <laughs> keeps growing. That's awesome. Thanks, Brett. I appreciate it. Take care. Take care. All right. Stop everything. If you're listening still, go hit the Superpass site. There's going to be a link in the show notes and sign up to be a member of the community. The Slack group is incredible. Constant value is being brought from the members of that community on a day-to-day basis. I have leveled up my writing. I've leveled up my networking. I've leveled up how I think about the content marketing role just by being a member of that group. So sign up. What are you doing? Enjoy the weekend. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. I'll be back on Monday, as always, with another conversation. Take care.